Welcome to Common Ground Berlin, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Serhati Nelson. In these hard times made worse by war, inflation, and a widening income gap, the concept of giving people a helping hand without strings attached is gaining momentum. Senior producer Dina El-Sayed reports. At a recent news conference, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz extended a figurative hand to his nervous constituents. Scholz says his government is fully committed to doing everything it can to get Germans through these difficult times. That softer touch is also on display with the expected overhaul in January of Germany's unemployment benefits, which are to be called Bürgergeld, or Citizens' Allowance. The reforms are aimed at encouraging people who are out of work to seek employment and reward them if they are successful, instead of slashing their benefits if they earn too much or violate other rules. Another safety net initiative is also in the works for 2023, with plans for 10,000 Germans to receive a Grundeinkommen, or guaranteed basic income, of 1,200 euros per month. Wir sind die Expedition. Wir sind angetreten, damit Grundeinkommen in Deutschland spätestens 2023 Realität wird. The tax-funded three-year experiment, which requires public consent before it can be launched in a community, is the brainchild of Expedition Basic Income. The grassroots group describes its plans in this video. But Basic Income has many critics who believe it will cost too much and deliver the opposite of what is intended. Fedi Union Chief Economist Dirk Heschel is one such skeptic. He explains his concerns in this video by German broadcaster Deutsche Welle. As regards individual cases, I can certainly understand the appeal. If you can give 20 or 30,000 people such an income, they can avoid having to do precarious casual labor. But what happens if everyone gets it? Companies would turn to wage dumping because a certain basic income is guaranteed. There'd be problems with financing the welfare state, pensions, health and nursing care. They're all linked to contributions from earned income. Our alternative would be the right to a good job, more good jobs. The way to fight for that is to join a trade union and get involved. Nationwide polls suggest a slight majority of Germans favor a guaranteed basic income. But how to fund it remains the subject of much debate. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. We'll hear more about the concept of a guaranteed basic income and whether or not it works from today's guests. Joining me on Zoom is veteran journalist Alexandra Borchardt, a media researcher and consultant who has written about basic income. Welcome, Alexandra. Hi, welcome. It's a privilege to be here. Two other guests are joining me in the studio. They are Jürgen Schupp, a sociology professor at Free University Berlin, who is a senior research fellow at the German Institute for Economic Research, and Laura Bremswig, co-founder of the German project Expedition Basic Income. Welcome to you both. Hello. Thanks for having us. Laura, let's start by talking more about your project. How many federal states or communities in Germany have approved basic income pilots, and where are they? Well, the ones that really approved it, none, but uh, we are kind of working on three different states to actually make that work, where we actually have um, active signature collection to actually make a state pilot happen. And where are those? Uh, in Berlin, Bremen and Hamburg, so it's like the city-states. 
But in terms of how Germans are reacting to it, this is still an experiment waiting to happen. Is that correct? Well, I think the important part is to actually also bring it into the political sphere. So I think everything we can already research and kind of find out, it can help us in decision making. But at the end, it's also a political question that we have to answer. And that's something we haven't done in Germany yet. Like it's not really a topic in our parliament. So yeah, I think we are still at the beginning. It looks like Jürgen wants to add something. Go yeah, ahead, Yeah, at least we have some evidence um, based on polls. Uh, that means we have representative surveys where we asked uh, individuals, also in Germany, uh, whether they are in favor for a system change from our current system of social security to a system of a basic income where everybody gets a guaranteed minimum and this is raised by taxes and not social contributions and um, you don't have uh, the obligation to work. So uh, if you look on those uh, polls then you see there is a polarization in Germany. Uh, about half of uh, the population that population is in favor or could think that this is perhaps a good idea but on the opposite Uh, there is also another half that is strictly against it. And of course, we see some social structure also, especially the well-educated uh, younger individuals. They are more in favor for the idea of a basic income. Now, news reports, Jürgen, say that Berlin's unconditional basic income project may not get off the ground because there are not enough people signing up for the referendum, and a referendum is required for these projects to be launched. The deadline is September 5th, and I think there, you're well under half right now, the signatures that you need. Why is that if half the population, or a little over half, it's actually 51%, I think, yeah. that favor basic income? Well, this is also a question how policy works. Usually we have uh, in Germany not a direct system of uh, that uh, the population makes a vote. Like uh, in Switzerland, for example, we have a parliament and we don't have any party who really also is in their majority for uh, the basic income. So we have to consider that we have a democratic system with representatives and we have to work hard to convince the representatives that they should think more seriously about uh, alternatives like the basic income and work with them. And the superior way of testing it would be publicly funded by a government or an administration who is running such an experiment on basic income, like we saw it in Finland, for example. So, Laro, you want to add something about uh, what's happening with your project here in Berlin? Totally. If you look at a lot of like the Volksbegin that already took place in the past, it's quite normal that at the end of the project, the majority of the signatures are actually collected. But I think with our case, it's actually going to be a very, very tight race. There's enough people who actually want to sign. It's not the problem. Like the 50% of people who are supporters, we find them in the street. If you go out, people sign directly. People are like, finally, I found someone where I can sign. But uh, we are really lacking people who can go out and ask people for signatures because it's really on paper. It's so old school. And there you actually see that we live in a society without basic income still. Um, <laughs> That's and a good point. Like the people who would really benefit from it are also the people who are not able to participate in democratic processes so much, which there are so many studies that show this. And I think that's something that we actually see in our project. And it makes me really sad that we don't have enough people who can help. So everyone who's like willing to kind of like go out, ask friends or join one of our kind of collections, it's really appreciated. 
appreciated because at the end, I think it's not the question if people actually support this. It's the question of how many people we can actually find that volunteer to collect signatures. Well, roughly how many signatures do you have here as of the middle of August and how many do you still need by the 5th of September? Yeah, so we have like um, around 70,000 signatures um, and we still need like, it's, hard to say exactly but it's like 170,000 I would say that we still need to collect because there are a lot of like invalid signatures um, because Berlin have a lot of people that don't have a German passport and live here and are not eligible to sign because they're not voters so that's why we still need a lot of signatures Um, and yeah it's going to be a very very tight race but we still try to make it happen we really need this like wonder happening in august um, but we we will fight until the 5th of september and any any helping hand, uh, hand will be appreciated alexandra i want to bring you into the conversation and ask about a comment that finance minister christian lindner made recently that caused some fireworks it was actually in reference to the nine euro transit ticket but it also demeaned basic income and specifically what he referred to was a quote gratis mentalität a la bedingungslos grundeinkommen in other words the expectation of receiving things for free without having to work for them are more politicians in the government actually thinking that even if they're not saying it? And what impact do you think that has on the public backing of a guaranteed basic income? Well, first of all, I don't think it has that much impact because he likes to polarize and he's just (laughs) serving his party, the Free Democratic Party, with saying something like that. Also, the nine euro ticket has nothing to do with gratis because you have to pay for it. And a whole lot more people pay for train tickets uh, during the nine euro experiment than ever before. So, So let's not talk about Christian Lind now. Let me say that I really like experiments. I think experimenting is great. That's why I also like the nine euro ticket. But in general, I'm very skeptic about the basic income for several reasons, because I think work is such an important issue. It gives life meaning. It provides people with structure. And I think we have to invest a lot more into making our workplaces better and to make them more fulfilling, other than giving people the easy way out. Because actually, this would also give employers the easy way out because they could just say oh you know let's fire everyone we don't need they'll get a basic income anyway i think we have to do a lot to make our workplaces better and the whole debate around work has to change i think because now that we see in the aftermath we can't even say because we are still sort of in the middle of the pandemic probably but following the pandemic Pretty much everyone, all companies are looking for people uh, who would like to work with them. So we actually don't have a, a shortage of jobs. We have a shortage of people who are willing to work. And actually, you know, handing out a basic income would really worsen the situation. What's really asked for here is redefining work and making workplaces more attractive, because I think all of society would benefit from that. Jürgen, you want to respond, I think. (laughs) Well, I'm not so sure that um, because this serves a kind of cliche that uh, getting a basic income, that then you are relaxed and um, you uh, leave the workforce. Perhaps it's completely the other way around. I completely agree to your argument. Uh, You devoted on uh, uh, the workplace and the situation at the workplace. But perhaps guaranteed income would give the workers the opportunity to say no. 
to working conditions that are too low paid and no incentive to engage. And if you have a boss who uh, <laughs> you don't like, then you have the power to say no, because you are not dependent by your earning to work there. And by this increased freedom, a guaranteed income perhaps could solve especially the problems you are arising. Laura? Yeah, I also think if you look into the international research, there are actually no real hints that people would like work less. I mean, sometimes people reduced work time, that's a thing, but they didn't leave the workforce completely. So, um, But that's something actually we do need. Like if you look into the climate crisis and stuff like that, I think we do need less paid work that we actually do to actually reduce our CO2 footprints. And I think... It is a good point that uh, you made that actually people would be able to choose their jobs wisely. And I think the situation we have now is completely changed. Like people change their jobs very regularly. And it's not like you start your job with 17 somewhere and you end it like with 60. That's also a reason why we need a universal basic income. So people ca actually can choose their jobs better and be like more relaxed and actually finding new jobs. And if our experiment would show that people would all leave the workforce, then we wouldn't introduce it. But I don't think it will happen because there are actually no studies hinting into this direction. No, I'm, I know. I'm not saying people will leave the workforce, but I think it's a wrong place to start. I'm absolutely agree with you that we need to change our social benefits, social security system. It was invented in, in the 19th century and it hasn't been changed that much. Uh, we have new demands. We have new challenges that have to be faced. But I mean, let's face it, someone has to pay for this basic income. And actually, people are reluctant to pay taxes to begin with. If you let companies off the hook, and if you say like, oh, you know, everyone will have a basic income, so don't worry about it, you would have an effect that companies wouldn't really invest in better workplaces. I agree that, that it has both ends to it. And I also agree that the people you are talking about who are choosing this basic income tend to be probably more educated. They tend to be um, willing to work. They like to experiment. But actually, for these people, we have lots of things already. We have unemployment benefits. We have social security uh, that only kicks in after you are on unemployment for a year. We have support for founders who want to found their own businesses. And we have all kinds of things in place. I agree that there's lots of bureaucracy involved around that. And that's one of the arguments of the proponents that it reduces bureaucracy, but actually it also reduces responsibility. And that's actually a reason why it's actually uh, supported in many countries by really market liberal forces, because they say, oh, let's just hand out a basic income and then let's get rid of the whole bureaucratic complex. Let's get governments out of this. Let's cut down on bureaucracy. Everyone gets a basic income and then people can, you know, see where they are with the basic income. But that actually might not solve the social problems we have. We also know that with Hartz Fear, which is the basic uh, social security in Germany, that there is just a share of people who have a hard time getting reintegrated in the job market for several reasons. Many of them are ill, they suffer from depression, whatever. And these people need more care than just a basic income. They need support. If you get rid of the whole social security system and replace it with a basic income, that might not be enough for people who really need help. So I think uh, it's a nice thought to reduce bureaucracy, but actually some of the bureaucracy is really needed. And also 
bureaucracy, it's a result of democratic decisions. What do we want to see happening in a society? If you just say basic income and then that's it, you know, you take the state out of this decision making. And I'm not sure that's uh, that's a very democratic way to do it. Okay. well, before we get too far afield, you did mention something about Hatzfia, which actually in January 2023 is going to be changed by this government. That is the plan that's been announced. Uh, It's no longer going to be called Hatzfia. It's going to ease the sanction approach. And we're talking about calling it Bürgergeld or citizens allowance, which is a whole different viewpoint of it. Is that a hybrid that you can get behind or do you have any concerns about that that you're raising? I mean, do you think that that's somehow going to topple the system, which does seem like an extreme that you would get rid of the entire social network by introducing uh, UBI? Yeah, I know it's an extreme, but this is the extreme thought that is why the general basic income is promoted by libertarians. In Germany, that's not that much the case. The general basic income idea comes more from the political left or at least from the uh, social democratic side. But in other countries, it is actually a libertarian approach. I think the term Bürgergeld, it's a nice term. And removing sanctions um, and removing bureaucracy should always be a goal behind any welfare you have. So actually, it's moving in the right direction. And uh, let's see if it's actually an improvement to the situation we have now. Okay, I think Laura and um, Jürgen both want to add, um, maybe ladies first, we let Laura (laughs) go ahead, even though a lady just spoke, that's okay. You know, obviously, there is a concern that Alexandra has about endangering the social structure. uh, But she seems to have, uh, if I may paraphrase you here, that it's going in the right direction with the Bürgergeld, you know, with the approach. Do you agree, first of all, that Bürgergeld, that this initiative that the government is now talking about is moving in the right direction? And do you want to respond to what Alexandra said about libertarian forces and UBI? I think it's always good if the conversation kind of like is about that and there have been a lot of like agreements that there were faults in the system. I don't think it's enough what's taking place with the Bürgergeld, but I do appreciate that there is the discussion and we are moving. Um, I just wanted to respond to the other part, um, like that's one of the biggest cliches around um, universal basic income and that um, it would remove our social structure, social system, so the supports that we have and that's just wrong like it's a decision we take as a society what kind of like social services we still want to have and what kind of things we want to cover with the universal basic income and it's just independent of that if we still have supports for people with disabilities it's just a different field and of course we can still have all these things and If you look in our kind of systems of people that should support people kind of moving from one job to the other and so on, they don't really have the time to actually um, do a good coaching, do a good consulting with the people anymore. And I think that should be a good thing and people would actually find jobs um, much better if the system would be eased by all this kind of stress that is in it at the moment. I mean, there was this whole discussion about the government needs to show that actually these sanctions that they hand out are actually um, helping the system. And there are no proofs until now that this actually helps people get into jobs quicker. Well, I've been helping Afghan refugees who are on Hatsfia, and it really is frustrating for them that they can't, for example, teach a yoga class or something while they're studying German, while they're learning this, because if it exceeds 100 euros per month, they lose benefits. I mean, it's it's sort of a disincentive to work, which makes 
little sense to me as an American when you're talking about unemployment benefits. Jürgen, you wanted to add something? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it's no system change from Hartz IV to Bürgergeld because the basic elements of the system is the same. That means means tested. And it's not a, a Bürgergeld that is given to each citizen. So we stick to the old system, but we are introducing new elements that come from the UBI movement, more or less. At the moment, we have the so-called Bedarfsgemeinschaft. That means Hartz IV eligible is not the individual. It's a community of people who are living together. And they have no individual rights. It's just the household that has rights. But as soon as the youngster has an extra job and gets some money, then the transfer of the parents is reduced. And this will be abolished. Last point, we see it in the uh, crisis of Corona that our existing system is not so good as many people thought it is. We saw uh, suddenly that those who are not part of the social security employment, that they could not be served by any system. And the UBI would, at least if it is introduced as a potential payment that the government is in the position to give each citizen, that he has the banking account of each citizen and could respond immediately. This kind of equal payment instantly would be a superior way to be a part and a new element of a social security that is more uh, resilient against external shocks. Yeah, but, but actually the corona example isn't a particularly great one, I think, because too many people actually were trying to game the system. And this was one example for something that, that was really some unbureaucratic thing. But I absolutely agree with what you said. We need to create incentives for people to work because we don't have enough people who do all kinds of jobs. So increasing the possibilities for holding on to a mini job on top of the income, whatever, that should really be key. It shouldn't be disincentives to work in, in the market. And I think this is what our current system seriously gets wrong. We need all kinds of incentives to work and we need to make our workplaces better. And we should really help those who fall through all these things, who can't hold on to a job, who can't work, uh, so that they're not lost, like, for example, in the US, and they're not lost to poverty, uh, but they still have some existential minimum. But we should focus all our efforts and concentrate on making jobs better and providing incentives to work. That is my conviction. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more discussion on Common Ground Berlin on the Grundeinkommen, or basic income. I'm Verena Hütter, host of The Big Ponder, the Goethe Institute's transatlantic podcast, bringing abstract concepts to life through personal radio essays. Every other week, our producers turn broad topics into captivating stories told from a U.S. and German perspective. You can find all episodes of The Big Ponder on our website, goethe.de, as well as on your favorite podcast apps. And discover the stories behind The Big Ponder on our radio show, Sounding the Big Pond. It is broadcast each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C. We do look forward to connecting with you. Democracy. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. 
Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. Welcome back to Common Ground Berlin. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and joining me to talk about the prospect of a guaranteed basic income are Laura Bremswick of Expedition Basic Income, sociology professor Jürgen Schupp, and veteran journalist Alexander Borchardt. Before the break, we talked about basic income pilot projects in Berlin and other parts of Germany. But I want to expand the conversation beyond Germany and ask each of you, is there a country or countries where you feel universal basic income has worked or at least has had a successful test? And Jürgen, we'll start with you. Yes, I think um, the Canadian Mincom experiment gave us a lot of good evidence, but it's long time ago. It was in the 80s of the last century, and a lot of things have changed. So Canada, um, Finland, where else? Anywhere else, Laura? I mean, if you look at like the Indian one that took place, I think it's also very interesting. It's maybe not so comparable to our context, but there you could also see that a lot of economic force was actually created by introducing this universal basic income. Like it was a lack of money that actually stopped people from investing into their own future, into the future of their family as a community. And I think that's something that you can maybe not completely apply to the German context, but still it is a case that there are people who don't invest in their education, they don't start businesses. If you look at like the equality rate in Germany, it's really bad. And um, I think these are all are things that you can transfer to the German context. If you look at how many female founders you have, how many kind of like minority groups actually start businesses and all this kind of stuff, that's things we can um, transfer. And I think that's something we learned from there. And um, I think the Finland one, we looked at it very, very shortly. Um, and it was maybe a little bit badly covered in the, in the journalism in, in Germany because it always said it failed. But at the end, they actually had findings that were very positive and that weren't talked about so much. So Well, yeah, I mean, I think that what they were suggesting is that there wasn't that much of a difference in terms of people seeking jobs. But where they did see a major statistical difference was in the behavior, less stress, happier not feeling as insecure, and that the argument being that these things are important to why there should be a universal basic income as well. That is really important when you ask about success. How do you define success? I guess the Finnish experiment suggested that people are happier because, as you just mentioned, they felt less uh, stressed out. Maybe it was uh, better for their self-esteem, self-confidence. That is on the individual level. But if you measure success, you also have to look at other levels. You know, how was the distribution of resources? What really was the effect to bureaucracy? How did people feel about it? You know, instead of uh, getting the income who just uh, went on working and then they might feel jealous about, you know, I'm here putting all my energy into holding on to a job and there's someone else is getting this income, whatever. So I think if you want to talk about success, you have to define Uh, what the indicators are and what kind of success you like to see as a society. And it could be that 
happy people make induce less cost to the health system you know maybe people are less ill or you know uh, they are more productive whatever but you have to define what is it you want to achieve you bring up a, a good point you also raised a good point earlier that i wanted to get back to and that was the issue of how do you fund unconditional basic income if it's really done i mean it's one thing if it's on a smaller experimental basis is another when you're trying to provide this to tens of millions of Germans or, you know, people who pay taxes here. I mean, let me ask, uh, Laura, how does this get funded on a larger level? And are there costs that then get taken away? Or is, does this just become this unseemly tax burden that will make Germany unattractive for businesses and actually, uh, you know, could have the reverse effect of what's intended? Yeah, I think uh, it would take away some costs in the bureaucratic system. But um, that's not going to account for all the costs that universal basic income actually will produce. Some would argue that, oh, if you don't have all these bureaucratic costs, then we can finance the universal basic income. I wouldn't support this argument. But, I mean, at the end, it's a political decision um, with what kind of taxes you want to fund it. And it's a question from which side of uh, the political sphere you are in. So you would answer differently. Some people would say, like, oh, we would fund it from taxes on our labor. Others would say, no, we should tax money on the bank accounts more. Others would say, like, we need a, like a, a tax on, on big companies or on, on a consumption tax that we actually do. And, and so people People who consume more pay more taxes, and that's how we actually repay our universal basic income. So um, for our initiative, the question of how it's going to be financed is not the first one, because I think it's a second step if we decide to actually introduce it, to actually see where it comes from. And this discussion needs to take place in our parliaments, and it needs to be done democratically. But there have been all kinds of different taxes in the past that people actually supported. And I do think it's totally possible to pay for universal basic income if you look at the money that we have to spend as taxpayers in Germany. Um, it's just a question of how we want to hand out our taxes and how just we want to do that. And it is a discussion we need to take in society, but at the end it's just a huge uh, tax reform if you look at it a little bit more rational. And um, yeah, that's a decision you can take. Like, do you want to hand out um, the taxes to a lot of people and make it as a universal basic income? Or do you want to have tax reductions for other people so they don't have to pay so much taxes on what they earn? Jürgen? Well, <clears throat> I think we have to say one word to the definition also of UBI. You get guaranteed taxpayer money. You don't have the obligation to work uh, and it's universal. That are the four core elements of the UBI. And the German discussion uh, links it also together with the level of uh, social security we are used to pay and to give those who are means tested uh, below the threshold. So what level of UBI we are talking about? That is, uh, I think, we have to separate. And I will make one example, the introduction of a new tax system. That is the carbon tax. So we have to speed up uh, decarbonization of our economy and of our way of living. And the introduction of a carbon tax, everybody and also our government here in Germany is completely in line that they have to, by the introduction of that new tax, we need a redistribution of the tax burden of that increase of the tax. And the idea of that um, uh, solution is the so-called Klimageld. What is the Klimageld? That is a partial universal basic income. The same amount is given to each individual 
guaranteed with no obligation and raised and financed by a new tax that is introduced. So this is on the way to happen within this uh, period of government of the ample coalition. This shows there are creeping elements where you combine the justice element of equality that is part of the basic income idea and uh, this solution perhaps is superior because by a flat redistribution those income groups that um, can afford to waste uh, gasoline, uh, have uh, big cars, they get less compensation than the poor families who don't have the SUVs and only small cars. So new elements and new incentive system in a society of the future with transformation problems, the UBI idea will creep more and more into the existing system. Alexandra, Do you agree? Or how do you see this? If there is a UBI, how should it be funded? Well, there's no other way than new taxes, at least none that I know of. And I think the carbon tax uh, obviously is something we, we need. And uh, it's also a mechanism of redistribution. But we should be careful to talk about people with SUVs and their carbon footprints, whatever, because very often, actually, low-income households do a lot of driving. And we saw that with the rising uh, gasoline prices. They have to do a lot of driving because they can't afford to live in cities where you can use your bike to get to work, whatever. So so they are very often hit very hard by uh, these kind of taxes. So we have to really look at this and be very careful how we redistribute. And also, I'm afraid we can't uh, solve the tax reform thing in this podcast because it's really very, very complex, very complicated. And as you rightly said, You always need to strike a balance uh, to not discourage companies to invest elsewhere. So actually, the carbon tax also needs to be an international effort. And it should be and it will be, I'm I'm sure, because there's no other way around to really reduce carbon emissions. Yeah, but, but really, and I'm repeating myself here because I think it's so important. We need to make working more attractive because obviously that generates taxes. And work is also the best means to, you know elevate oneself from poverty to, to get ahead in terms of careers and uh, have a better future for your children. So work is actually in our societies, at least, the means to really transcend class boundaries. Okay, um, we're running out of time. So let me just ask a follow up question to everyone and just try to keep it uh, short. Jürgen, I wanted to start with you because I read an interview in which you said that the first demand for a guaranteed income appeared in the novel Utopia by Thomas More some 500 years ago. And here we are 500 years later. Are we ever going to have an unconditional basic income in Germany? Um, well, perhaps we will have, but I guess I will not be on earth any longer uh, when it happens uh, for everybody. Uh, but I'm quite optimistic that perhaps we will start with uh, universal basic income, not for every group, but perhaps it will be realized. And also I will see it uh, at least for children and the Kindergrundeinkommen that is on the list of the uh, to do's and the major social reform uh, that will be on the way by our uh, new minister for family affairs. And she 
is also an engaged uh, UBI supporter from the Green Party. So I'm quite optimistic that we will get steps into that direction and we will start at least with the children so that children poverty will be abolished in the future and I could be seeing that there will be no child behind in Germany in the future. Left behind, yes, for uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so Laura, are you? do you share that optimism and do you in fact think you'll see it in your lifetime? I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think I will still see it. I'm also a bit you younger. younger. Than you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do think I will still see it. The question is how quickly it will come. But I think there are so many hints in our like societal transformation. A lot of the things Jürgen already mentioned. And I think if you look at our transformation of the workforce that we have, how much money we actually make with labor and how much we actually make with um, capital, it's a lot of stuff is changing. And I think all these will lead to a universal basic income because it is at the end I think the smarter way of organizing um, a society and I think all the fears that people have about it and kind of jealousy about like why should people actually receive it if I'm working I think these will be solved because we will be able to show that the society as a whole will actually benefit from it. And I really believe in this. If you look at the social studies in this field, it's actually a thing. Cooperative is better for everyone. So I think we will have it. The question is when, but like with our work, we try to give it a bit of haste and make it happen a little earlier. Alexandra, I know you're a skeptic about uh, whether Grundeinkommen is a good idea, uh, UBI, um, but if I can let you play devil's advocate here, what do you think needs to happen for universal basic income to become a reality in Germany? I don't see it's going to happen because I think there are so many projects, so many ideas and concepts. I'm, I'm really pessimistic about actually progressive policy because very often it's just an add-on and not a replacement. So we've been talking about reducing bureaucracy. In fact, lots of things are introducing more bureaucracy. Um, but that all said, I'm here with Jürgen because I think the elements of the idea of this quite radical thought will will really creep into our social systems because we need a redesign of our social security system, social benefit system. So there will be elements and, uh, for example, Kindergrundeinkommen or there are also concepts of when people turn 18, young people turn 18, that they'll get an education credit. There are all kinds of innovative uh, concepts uh, that should be tested, that need to be tested. And I'm sure that some of it will creep into our policy, but I'm quite pessimistic about the level of progress we are capable of making because as was mentioned quite a bit today our current system is uh, whatever 150 years old why hasn't it been changed so far maybe the climate threat the climate change debate will be a game changer in all this because of the carbon tax because we need to do something to reduce our carbon footprint maybe we will have some additional pressure that we didn't have before to really come to reforms here so i would sure hope so i think if there will be something like a universal basic income it probably won't have that much to do with the concepts that are discussed and debated today, but we will see a different system at some point, I'm very sure. 
That was Alexandra Borchardt, a veteran journalist, media researcher, and consultant. And we also heard from Jürgen Schupp, a sociology professor at Free University Berlin and a senior research fellow at the German Institute for Economic Research, and Laura Bremswick, co-founder of the German project Expedition Basic Income. Thanks to all of you for being on Common Ground Berlin today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed. Our social media editor is Stefano Montali. And I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Common Ground Berlin is funded by a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. Our partners are the German Marshall Fund of the United States and Goethe Institute. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CG Berlin Podcast. If you're on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground Berlin. You can also subscribe to and rate our podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.